we have both Democrats and very conservative Republicans at my school. But from both sides of the aisle, people have really been accepting of both my club and what we've been doing. I mean, people have donated, they've come to events. I think that everyone realizes that it's not about us versus them, it's about everyone. Hello and welcome to the Alien Chronicles, a show featuring immigrant experiences. The idea, of course, is to create a better understanding of so-called the other. I am your host, Sadia Khan. In today's polarized political environment, when we talk about refugees, the discussion somewhat becomes more about left versus right. It seems to me that people on the left of the political divide favor refugees entering the U.S., while those on the right are somehow opposed to it. In fact, some of them make an argument about how we should first feed those who are marginalized in our own country. Is it just an excuse for their support of hardline policies? Who knows? Plus, supporting the refugees and supporting the poor in our country are not mutually exclusive. The way I see it, those of us who come from a place of privilege should try to lift others. And honestly, it's much easier to help those who look like us, talk like us than those who are different. Humans are tribal in nature. And this tribalism somehow manifests itself in us versus them argument, especially around refugees. We've seen it since 2016 elections. It disappoints me to see how divided our country is right now on human issues, human rights issues, in fact. But what gives me hope is to see young women and men who are actively breaking those barriers and coalescing communities on social issues. Two such women are on my show today. They are change makers in their respective communities. Sanjana Bhatnagar and Stephanie Mann are the students for refugees, SFR representatives. SFR is an organization that's working to raise funds to support educational facilities and individual student programs in affected areas, as well as supporting local refugees. There are a broad range of things that SFR engages in, but their primary goal is to get students involved in helping refugees. SFR works in three areas, resettlement, advocacy, education, and fundraising. Sanjana and Stephanie are both high school students. In addition to SFR, they are advocating for refugees by supporting other initiatives as well. Sanjana is associated with Syria Fund. We'll talk to Sanjana about that. And Stephanie is planning a walk a mile in my shoes refugee experience. We'll talk about all this and a lot more. So I welcome both of them to my show. Welcome to my show, guys. Hi, thank you for having us. So Stephanie, let's start with you. What was your motivation behind working with refugee families? So I was born and raised in Moscow, Russia, and I attended an international school for elementary and middle school. And there I had contact with a lot of different international cultures. And that's where I developed an empathy for other people. And then when a few years ago I moved to New York, I experienced the journey that a person experiences when they resettle. And although I can't at all compare my journey to that of a refugee, I realized how difficult it is to acclimate to a new culture, to a new climate and all of that. So I've decided that I want to help make that acclimation much easier. 
So what can you walk us through your experience of resettlement? And again, your experience is very different from what refugees go through. But what was it like settling in, in New York? And what were some of the challenges that you faced initially? So New York has very welcoming people, and I'm very grateful for that. Therefore, I found it quite easy. But still, I mean, I miss all of my friends back in Russia. I miss my family. And um, it was a very small bubble that I came from. So New York was quite different in that there are more people in my school. And it's just a different culture. I was fine acclimating, but it was still difficult. And up until maybe last year, I constantly missed my home. And Sanjana, um, we'll bring you into conversation. What is your motivation behind what you're doing, especially with SFR? So I myself have not experienced resettlement because unlike Stephanie, I was born and raised in New York. But my grandfather was a refugee from Pakistan to India during the partition. So he was born and raised in Lahore in Pakistan. And when partition happened, it was kind of this urgent need to get, I don't know, Hindus into India and Muslims in the north into Pakistan. And my grandfather pretty much left everything behind. Their family had a huge house, a lot of money, but all of that was like material assets. And so they left everything behind and him and his many siblings moved into a small apartment in Delhi in India. And he like left behind a girl he was in love with and all of these things. And when I hear stories from both sides of kind of that shift, that big migration on both sides, I feel really emotionally connected to that and really lucky that I'm in the situation that I'm in and kind of lucky that my grandfather was able to go through that transition easily. And I feel like this is kind of my way of reconnecting with his experience and giving back and hoping that other people can be as lucky as he was. What I'm hearing from both of you is both of your experiences that has led you to be part of what you are doing right now with SFR. And and it is true, many a times what humans go through and what they experience, that's what they feel empathetic towards and they connect with. I started this podcast because I am an immigrant. And after 2016 elections, all the rhetoric that I was hearing against immigration and against immigrants motivated me to start this podcast. But for folks out there who have never communicated with refugees, who've never met a refugee, and all that they hear is this this negative rhetoric around refugees on TV, how do you convince them, or not convince, but how do you make them understand understand the need for helping refugees and allowing them to enter the U.S.? Well, this might be a common answer, but I feel like especially for people in the United States, our country is kind of built on immigrants. It's built on people who are fleeing their countries for religious persecution, things like drought, things like famine. And I feel like no one in America except for Native Americans is really from the land. So All of us have some kind of connection, no matter how far that goes back towards immigrants, towards refugees. And there's this obligation within our country to help that. I mean, we're here in New York City. The Statue of Liberty is like right there. That's what welcomes immigrants. And we talk about welcoming people into this country to support values of liberty and freedom. And I feel like 
it kind of is built within the seeds of our nation that that is something we have an obligation to uphold, helping immigrants. And what about those, as I mentioned in my intro, who would say, oh, we have so many poor people in our country. Let's help them first. Well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I mean, like you said earlier, because sure, we can help all these people in our country, but that still leaves so many people out there. And I believe that immigrants or refugees, they have so much to offer our country. I mean, you never know who might invent a cure for cancer. I mean, you can't separate people by nationalities and say, well, if we only help Americans, Americans will be fine. But no, everyone is interconnected in this world. So, um, Stephanie, I was reading your bio and you mentioned it's not just that you um, grew up with multicultural, multi-ethnic classmates. Um, you were at international school, but also within your family, uh, you've been a negotiator. And I see that because you're working with SFR and you are so much involved in activism. And you mentioned something along the lines that you've always been a negotiator between your ex-communist grandparents and your dad. What do you mean by that? Can you elaborate? Of course. Well, ex-communist might be um, kind of soft because my grandpa still believes in communist values. And he and my dad would offer argue over the dinner table of what philosophy was the correct one. So my dad, having grown up in Boston, was always pro-capitalism. He was very Americanized. But my grandpa believed in sharing in communism. So I believe that I had to kind of first of all, translate between the two parties, but also alleviate their fears of one another. Because even when I was born, I mean, my dad had only been in Russia for a few years, so he was still trying to get accustomed to the culture there. And this is your grandparents on your mother's side, right? Yes. Yeah. And again, at the end of the day, as you said, every uh, system of governance, it's it has its own pros and cons. And, and, and there are always nuances, which somehow we tend to ignore at times. And we just follow our instincts and we're like, OK, this is right. And we, we don't do as much research and don't don't get into that. Coming back to SFR, how did you guys get involved? Like what was the initial process and what are some of the things that you are doing currently with SFR? Yeah, just in terms of the conception of SFR, it started when a few kids in my school, uh, they were a year above me, went to Germany to learn about the intake of refugees in Heidelberg, which is one of the cities in Germany that's taken in the most amount of refugees. So when they were in Germany, they met a boy named Abdullah, who's around our age, and they really connected with him. And he was a refugee from Iraq. And pretty much his story was that ISIS was trying to recruit him and his father was like, okay, we need to get out of here. So they fled their country and Abdullah kind of told them their story, his story. And the kids from my school were like, okay, we need to start taking in refugees in America. And if we are already, and I think they didn't really think about the fact that they don't have any control over that, but they're like, we need to do something to help uh, refugees. So they got back to the States and they found out, and this was pre-Trump, like okay. our president. So they came back to the States and found out that we were in fact taking in refugees and they were like, what can we do to help? So they met with a bunch of resettlement agencies in Westchester. So this is agencies like Hearts and Homes for Refugees, Highest Catholic Charities, and they kind of got involved in helping the resettlement process of refugees in Westchester County. So that meant helping set up apartments for incoming refugees and meant tutoring children, babysitting them. And then they also got involved in educating students in our community about what a refugee was and how to kind of interact with refugees, considering that 
there are refugees who are children and they might have trauma and they might be in the same classrooms as kids in our like community. But then Trump was elected and that kind of was the big shifting point for SFR. So Trump came in and the amount of refugees that the United States was going to take in suddenly dropped. It went down drastically in numbers. So the initiative became far more difficult, but also much more urgent, right? It was simultaneously harder to help, but more important to help. So that's when SFR kind of divided into three areas that we decided to hone in on and focus on. So the first one is advocacy and education. And what that pretty much means is that we were working on educating our community about Islamophobia, because obviously the rhetoric that the Trump administration used was very Islamophobic. I mean, his ban was literally called the like people were calling it the Muslim ban because it seemed to be oriented towards a certain religion. So we held panels on Islamophobia. Um, We had people hold panels on PTSD of refugees and about the vetting process so people could feel more secure about the process that went on before a refugee was even allowed in our country so that people felt safer about refugees coming in. And we also educated, we continued educating kids in our community about what the refugee crisis was. And then advocacy was things like holding marches and going to marches during the Muslim ban, especially. And I think a really good example of advocacy is what Stephanie is running right now, the Walk a Mile, if you want to talk about that really. Sure. I'll start with how I got involved with SFR. So it started last year when I was trying to come up with a final project from a human rights class. And I realized that the best thing I could do was get involved, jump head first. So I formed a club. And it was difficult to get people involved because there's so much going on against refugees. But I felt that people in our school needed to find out what a refugee actually was and how, I don't want to say harmless, but how important it is to empathize with people and accept everyone. So I got started with that and we recruited a lot of people, which I was very proud of our school for. Everyone was interested. So the first thing we did was set up a toiletries drive in November and we worked with the Westchester Refugee Initiative to pass those toiletries along to refugees in need in Connecticut, Westchester, and Long Island. And currently, I'm running an event called Walk a Mile, which is taking place later this month. And it's basically a refugee simulation experience. And what we're doing is we're setting up stations, and we're going to have groups of participants walk through each station. And let's say they're walking through the food station. They will learn about how much food a refugee is able to take in per day or how much food we need to add so that people get sufficient nutritional value out of that. Or let's say we have a shelter station. So we see the housing refugees receive either in camps or in um, when they're resettled. And this event is trying to gain empathy for refugees from our local community and trying to educate people about Um, the experience. This is such an inspiring uh, initiative, uh, Stephanie. And where can we find more information about this? Is there a website people can go to? And is there a way they can contribute to this financially or otherwise? For now, it's going to be a one-time event. But depending on how successful it is, we might expand it and run it in multiple places. I've had some interest from other schools and universities around in the area. So we'll see how successful this is. But um, people can always email me if they're willing to come and check it out. And what's your email? S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-M-U-N-N-0-2 at gmail.com. 
So those uh, of you who are interested in knowing more about this initiative, you can email Stephanie and we will be posting your information, your and Sanjana's once our episode releases or a few days before that. Going back to your experiences with refugees, is there any inspiring story that you can share with our listeners that you came across a story or an individual refugee that really inspired you? So a few months ago, I believe it was October, I um, connected with a woman who works with this one family and they're immigrants from Afghanistan. And I met their three children and I spent some time with them. It was amazing to see that after only, I believe it was maybe half a year in New York, they spoke English. They were very well acclimated. I mean, they talked about Afghanistan as they missed it, but they were happy. And I just found it inspiring how people have stepped up to help them adjust to this new climate and their son always beats me in chess <laughs> they're great kids and is there um can you recall any like obnoxious comment or the most bizarre thing that somebody may have said to you about refugees that that just you know stuck with you so when we were running the toiletries drive and we were standing outside of places like CVS or a local supermarket asking for donations or even asking people to buy those toiletries and give them to us, some people would come up and they would ask us questions like, why are you doing this? And we'd explain to them, we're trying to help people in need. And they're like, but why are you helping refugees? Who cares about them? They're not from here. And that really shocked me to see how xenophobic people are and to see how rude they can be because again we're just kids trying to do some good in the world but they were really mean yeah and and to your point stephanie that's that's what i was talking about it's somehow us versus them and if they don't look like us and they don't speak our language then we should not support them that's that's the whole idea and we've seen to Sanjana's earlier point that um, ever since uh, 2016 elections the number of refugees entering into U.S. has declined tremendously Uh, we are well below the ceiling which now with this current administration is at 30,000 per year but right now they've only admitted like 9,000 and even in that case It's predominantly Christian refugees. Um, There are very few Muslim refugees, I think 14%. During previous administrations, the number was somewhat balanced. And at the end of the day, again, I want to clarify one thing that when considering somebody who should enter the U.S., uh, the criteria should be if they are persecuted based on religion, nationality, ethnicity. And we should not favor one or the other just because we think they are like us, but it should be based on from human rights perspective and the kind of persecution that they go through. Moving on, uh, Sanjana, you are also involved with Syria Fund. Can you talk a little bit about that and what led you to be part of the Syria Fund? Right. So earlier I was talking about the three branches that SFR kind of split into. So we already covered education and advocacy. So the work with the Syria Fund more goes into our work with fundraising. One of the kids in the year above me got connected with this lady named Lexi, who started an organization called the Syria Fund. And what the Syria Fund was doing was building schools in Jordan for Syrian refugees, because oftentimes in Jordan, the Syrian kids would be far behind in terms of like curriculums, because they would have 
they spend so much time fleeing their country and they would also be bullied and there'd be a lot of issues. Um, so she set up schools that would be for the Syrian refugees and these curriculums in the schools included things like the arts and PE and things beyond just math and like science and the generic subjects you'd expect in a school. And this was so important for us to help because after like, for example, the Syrian crisis, Syrian refugee crisis is over, someone needs to go and rebuild the country. So education became a hugely important motive for us, not only within our community, but also in places closer to Syria. So then we started working with Syria Fund and we raised over $80,000 in a year to help set up a school in Jordan. And that was really inspiring. So now uh, Lexi, she's the one who organizes everything. She sends us photos of the children singing songs and it's absolutely amazing to see and feel like we've been a part of that. And if anyone wants to donate to that, you can go to www.studentsforrefugees.org and we have a donate button and all that money is going to getting more supplies and funding the salary of the teachers who are working at the schools. Uh, One more point about um, refugees, and both of you have addressed some very important issues, is that when we talk about um, national security and when we talk about security, global security, having stable countries economically, politically is extremely essential to global security as well. So for those listeners or those people who make an argument about us versus them, they should also keep in mind that if they are concerned about national security issues, supporting refugees, and supporting displaced people and and bringing economic and political stability to war uh, stricken places in a way feeds into our own national security interests as well, which is extremely important. So my question to both of you now is, what was your family's reaction? What you've told me so far, again, you've had these experiences where you were motivated to do this. You're doing a great job. You're just two young women doing so much activism. What do your families think about all of this? And we'll start with Stephanie. Well, my family is extremely supportive, thankfully. Um, They've been helping me out. They've let me miss school. I mean, for events like this and for different volunteering and meetings that I've gone to, I've had no complaints about that. And they've also helped me kind of strategize and plan events with my club. So they've been great about it. I think similarly, my family has luckily been largely supportive of everything that we're doing, even getting involved in helping to organize some of the events and funding some of the events that we have. It makes me so happy to see so much activism in in your generation. And I have friends, kids who are doing so much more. And it just makes me so happy. I think this 2016 election somehow catapulted everybody into activism and action, right? I would like to get an understanding of what you think, like your peers, your friends and students in your schools. What are their thoughts on uh, refugees and on immigration generally? And I'm sure you can't speak for everybody else, but what is like the general consensus around um, these issues? And um, well, personally, I live in a very liberal bubble, so I'm not sure I can really speak holistically to negative reactions towards immigrants and refugees, because the truth is, is that a lot of the kids in my school are immigrants. And um, we have a lot of Jewish kids in our schools who in our school who know about the experience of xenophobia and what that means. So 
for my school, I've faced nothing but positive reaction to everything that we're doing to support immigrants and refugees and a lot of negative reactions to things like separation at the border in Mexico and the Muslim ban and all of Trump's policies that are bad for immigrants. So I'm not really sure I can speak to that. I have a similar experience. I mean, we have both Democrats and very conservative Republicans at my school, but from both sides of the aisle, people have really been accepting of both my club and what we've been doing. I mean, people have donated, they've come to events. I think that everyone realizes that it's not about us versus them. It's about everyone. And especially at my school, a lot of people are pretty well to do. So they're able to donate without feeling like they're ruining themselves in the process. I think both of you raise such an important point that we do, all of us, in fact, especially living in New York and then in in rather affluent communities, I think we do live in a bubble. So it's difficult to gauge what others are thinking. But have you thought of replicating this model to schools that are not in the Northeast? Or or have you explored the idea of, of bringing this... Um, model to schools which are more conservative and creating awareness and and reaching across the aisle with your peers uh, your age group and and organizing an event or something where you get to talk to people say from south or again I'm not stereotyping but what I'm trying to say is like people who are more conservative and do not believe in supporting refugees we have actually done a lot of expansion of SFR since its conception. Um, it started with just a chapter at Scarsdale High School, and now Stephanie's school is a really strong chapter. Um, we had a chapter in Seattle at one point, several in New Jersey, all across Westchester. And I think the problem is, is that we don't have much contact with people in like other parts of the country. I mean, like I do Lincoln Douglas debate, which is competes nationally. So I meet people from Iowa and like Minnesota and um, Mississippi. But the problem is, is there's no way you can really make sure that things are happening there. They're like, I had someone set up a chapter once and they had their name on the website, but then they didn't do anything. And I think there's no way for us to enforce that people are actually going out and getting involved and not just creating a chapter for college purposes. Because the thing is, is that people actually have to be motivated to do things. And when the contact with people is so like far away, so limited, like towards like debate tournaments, and you can't go and see that they're actually doing things, there's no way we can really expand that far. And why do you think um, there is lack of motivation in those areas? I think that while our generation is also very motivated to do things, there's also kind of this jadedness and desensitization to things that are going on. And while people want to help, I think motivation to help is limited because you just see things in the news and get notifications on your phone and you're like, okay, like another 50 people are dead in this place far away and people don't really care. And I know that a lot of SFR chapters that have been set up have been something that people can use for college and the work that they actually want to do is limited. And so that's why I think far away chapters like in the South or the Midwest, we can't really help make sure that they're doing that because you have to actually find people who are motivated. And it's hard even in Westchester to find people who are motivated to actually do things. So have you thought about partnering with any other organizations or churches and temples in these areas? Is that something that you guys have explored? We have partnered with a lot of organizations such as Hearts and Homes and HIAS and the Westchester Refugee Initiative. 
And that's part of the reason that we're so successful. I think there's a lot of support from other organizations like that. Whereas in other places that don't receive as many refugees, there might not be as many organizations that are willing to support students starting their own chapters or clubs. Yeah, I think that's a really big point because the resettlement agencies in Westchester are like huge. You'll go to one of their meetings and you'll see so many organizations just coming together. And they've created this coalition, I think, started by Hearts and Homes for Refugees called the Westchester Refugee Initiative, which is where like all of the organizations have come together. And Students for Refugees is actually a part of that coalition. And because we have the support of the agencies in our community helping us, I think Stephanie makes a good point that we really have a lot of resources to help people and we have a lot of contact with refugees but in areas where there might be more refugees than Westchester because the reality is we don't take in as many refugees as other places in America there aren't as supportive communities coming and backing up students to do work like this there are barely like supportive members of the community helping these agencies so we're really lucky in that sense and yeah and I think that's such a good point. And I think it just frustrates me at times. And I I was watching this documentary the other day and it was like, you know, left versus right again. They, they, they are two Americas right now. And what really frustrates me is that on on basic human rights issues, we are not able to find common ground. And as you said, um, living in Westchester County, yes, you have so many organizations helping you, but maybe we need this kind of help in other parts of the country as well and just to create this goodwill for refugees and for immigrants and it is so important and I've I've somehow I'm like I am struggling to do the same with my podcast sometimes I'm like oh, oh my god I wish I could interview somebody from you know down south and see what their um, perspective is on immigration because again we don't want to have this echo chamber we are where we are talking to each other and and agreeing with each other, right? Yeah, yeah, I think one of the important things is to focus on not the political aspect of the refugee crisis and refugees from all around the world, but the human aspect of yeah. it. One question that I always ask my guests, and I would like to ask you to as well, you like, again, I said you're the future of America, and I'm so proud of what you guys are doing. If you were to describe America in one word, what would it be? And uh, Stephanie, we'll start with you. And then we let Sanjana answer as well. It's a very hard question, because there's it's just so varied in America from the geographic to the people. But I've got to say free, because as different as the opinions are, we are all able to state our opinions without being scared of the consequences. And Sanjana, to you? It's hard to do it in one word. Um, I guess I'm going to be really cheesy about this. (laughs) Does melting pot count as one word? Would it be hyphenated? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Also, you know, it's interesting you said melting pot. I've had some some qualms about melting pot. I really like... To me, and and correct me if you like if you think this doesn't make any sense. I just feel like melting pot is like being the same. Huh. Okay, so maybe it's like saying. a salad. I don't know. Because it's something that's cohesive but composed of a lot of different components. Yeah. So I guess America is a salad. <laughs> I love it. Just because I feel like this otherness comes to thrive in parts of America. And I know that's not true everywhere, 
But our culture is composed of all of these different facets and all of these different forms of otherness that the otherness becomes the culture. Yeah, that's that's so well put. Guys, thank you so much for for this great interview. I had so much fun. Thank you for doing what you're doing. I, as I've said in my other episodes, and I'll say it again, I'm so proud of the activism that I see in young people. We've seen that with gun control, and now we're seeing it with refugees. And it's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. We will post your information on our website once the episode is ready to be released. And if you need any help, you should always feel free to reach out and and keep spreading the word. And I think that's the best thing you can do for this country and, and for refugees. And I would also like to thank all the listeners for joining us today. And please do subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to check out our website. It's www.alienchroniclespod.com. Also, if you have a story to tell or any new ideas, you can always email us at info at alienchroniclespod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Chronicles Alien, and you can find us on Instagram at The Alien Chronicles. Also, if you go to our website, you can find a Patreon link. We need donations, monthly donations to sustain our podcast. You can donate for as low as $5 a month. If you go to our website, you will find a link to Patreon. And please stay tuned for our next episode when we will bring to you another immigrant story. And in the meantime, stay connected. 